may be seated. It's two small words that you put them together, they become much bigger. If only. If only. They speak of regrets from the past. You could say like the baggage of our past. If only this had happened. If only he had done this. If only she had done this. If only. Or it speaks of our hopes of the future. If only this could happen. If only only these circumstances could be here. This would add to my life. So if only. Two small words put, put together make a very large statement. Job lived many, many years ago. But the message of the book of Job is very current to our lives today. Job lived, lived with an if-only circumstance. He was in a situation where he felt estranged from God. His life was in shambles. He was sitting on an ash heap outside the city walls with pottery all around him, broken pottery. It was a metaphor of his life that had been shattered and broken and in ashes. The Bible declares in chapters 1 and 2 about Job that he was a man who was blameless and upright, who feared God and shunned evil. So how could his life be in this situation? It should be one who was the most blessed. And so he comes into this time in chapter 9. Uh, we've been studying through the book of Job on Wednesdays in Renew Bible Study. And we finished seven weeks, and uh, several weeks ago we looked at this passage just briefly. Uh, but it speaks of this desire. Job had a deep desire for an intimate relationship with God. A deep desire. And he felt separated. He felt like his life was in shambles. And he didn't understand. So he cried out to God in these words from Job chapter 9, beginning at verse 25. It'll be on the screen, but I encourage you to find your Bible and to look in Job chapter 9, beginning at verse 25. It says, My days are swifter than a runner. They fly away without a glimpse of joy. My days are passing I'm wasting away here with no joy. They skim past like boats of papyrus, of paper, like eagles swooping down on their prey. If I say I will forget my complaint, I will change my expression and smile. I still dread all my sufferings, for I know how you will not hold me innocent. Since I'm already found guilty, why should I struggle in vain? Even if I washed myself with soap and my hands with washing soda, you would plunge me into a slime pit that, so that even my clothes would detest me. He is not a man like me that I might answer him, though we might confront each other in court. If only there were someone to arbitrate between us. The word arbitrate, some translations you might have mediate, you might have day spring, you might have umpire that word, arbitrate between us, to lay his hand upon us both, someone to remove God's rod from me so that his terror would frighten me no more. Then I would speak up without fear of him. 
but as it now stands with me, I cannot. Job's in a desperate situation, desires to have intimacy with God, but yet God seems so far away. Willard Harley has written a series of several books, one, uh, His Needs, Her Needs, another book, Love Busters. And in his book, he states that relationships are basically in one of three categories, intimacy, conflict, and withdrawn. Intimacy is that heart-to-heart relationship. You think of a relationship within a, a marriage, a relationship of a spouse in which you have a heart-to-heart relationship. The walls are down uh, of, of, of doubt. You have the opportunity to be together, to share together. There, there's no defenses that you have up, that you feel a heart-to-heart connection and relationship with your spouse. It can be in that relationship with others, where you have a heart-to-heart relationship with your children with your neighbors, with your workmates, but you, you have that heart-to-heart relationship. It can be in that relationship with God, in which you feel his presence, you know his presence, and that's the, the way that Job wanted to experience, that heart-to-heart relationship with God. Conflict, I think of that as head-to-head. Conflict when you come into talking about a marriage, we think, well, we've got to avoid all conflict. And early in your marriage, the first days, you, you think you can do that. But eventually, it's two people bumping into each other all the time. You're going to have conflict. The conflicts that rise up in your marriage, conflicts that rise up in your relationship, in your relationship with others, you have conflicts that come up. And those things we want to avoid, but they're there. Conflict with God. Conflict with how can this be? Conflicts. In the book of Song of Solomon, he gives a warning to the young couple there. He says, beware of the little foxes that get into your garden. And we think that in a relationship, especially a marriage relationship, there's going to be this huge thing, this huge conflict that's going to separate us, that's going to destroy this marriage. So you're always aware of keeping away from the big conflict. But yet it's the little foxes that get into your garden, that keep nibbling away at your intimacy with each other by the conflicts that are there. It can be things like selfish demands that you make upon each other. It can be things like disrespectful judgments that you make about each other, to each other or to others about the spouse. It can be dishonesty. It could be angry outbursts. It can be annoying habits. Independent behavior. All these are those little foxes that creep into the relationship in which it brings you head to head. But as you are head to head, wanting to get back into a heart to heart relationship, as long as you head-to-head or looking at each other, you're talking with your mouth, you're listening with your ears, and you're working together to resolve the conflict and to work through those little foxes and work your way back. It brings you back into an even more intimate relationship with each other. You work through the process 
to keep the intimacy of your, your marriage. You do that with your friends as others, that those conflicts that come up in the relationships at work and other places, as long as you're able with your mouth to be able to assertively say what you feel instead of aggressively attack and which are passively just sit back, but you're able to express those things. There is that opportunity to go from that conflict back into an intimate relationship. It's with God. It's when you come into a time when you have sin and conflict in your life. Confession of sin is not a promise to God that you'll never do it again. That's repentance. Confession is agreement with God that it's sin. So when you come into prayer and you say, well, I've already confessed that. I can't confess it again because I already promised him I'd never do it again. That's repentance. You turn back. Confession's agreement. And the more you agree with God, this is sin, the less appealing it is. And so you continue to confess and you come back to God and say, I want to come into a relationship with you. And it brings you back into that intimate relationship that you desire. Job desired an intimate relationship with God that was the deepest desire of his heart. But the third condition is withdrawn. And I think of that as back to back. The wall is big. The wall of defenses that you've put up because the conflicts have not been dealt with, because you've tried to, but there's been aggression and there's been arguing and fighting. And so the, you back off and you put up this big wall where you just say, I'm just not going to do this any longer. And it's when that big wall has come up and you no longer are seeking through the conflict to get back into intimate relationship with others, you're in danger at that point of seeking and finding physical and emotional intimacy with someone else. So intimacy, conflict, and withdrawn. How does that relate to this passage out of Job that we just read? Job is in that huge conflict that he's facing. If we had time, we could go through all the background, but there's not much time that we have here to do that. But I just want to share with you just a little bit about the background. In the first two chapters, we see behind the scenes of this drama that's played out in the book of Job. We see behind the scenes where God is there and before him come all of the angelic beings who come before his presence to give report, to come before him and to give honor and glory to him alone. And it says also Satan came into that presence. So how, how, can, how can evil be in the presence of God? Well, don't think fellowship. Don't think that there's fellowship. Think of governance, of God being his governance over all. Evil, Satan, it is not some alternate power that is not under God's governance. And Satan comes before the presence of God and God says, okay, now where have you been? And Satan basically comes back and says to him, none of your business. It's none of your business. I've just been roaming around. doing a... Teenagers, shut your ears right now, but parents, if you've ever had a teenager, is, have you heard that before? Where have you been? Oh, just around. And they're basically saying, none of your business. But this is what Satan is saying, and he says to God, in that presence there. He said, as I look around at humans, 
at mankind, the only reason they worship you, the only reason they come to you is for what they get out of it. You bless them. You give them great things. You fulfill them within their heart. They feel fulfilled because of their relationship with you. You take all that away, they'll curse you to your face. God said, have you seen my servant Job? He's blameless. He's upright. Blameless in his relationship with God does not mean he's sinless. just meant that he was in a connected relationship with God. Intimate relationship with God. Upright in his relationship with other people. He feared God, had a healthy understanding of who God was, and he shunned evil in his relationship with other people. They saw his life reflecting the glory of God. As if you see my servant Job, Satan said yes. You take all that stuff away from him, all those things that he has, he'll curse you to your face. God said, okay, try him. But you can't take his life. And so now we find Job on this ash heap. And he's crying out to God in these verses. He's in a deep conflict. He desires to be in an intimate relationship with God. He has a deep conflict and he does not want to be withdrawn. But he feels God's presence withdrawn from him. So he says, how do I deal with this? And the first thing he says that he can do, if you look at verse 27, he says, I can give in. He says, if I say, I will forget my complaint, I will change my expression and smile. Just give in to it. Just not deal with it just act like it's not happening and see if just having a happy face makes it all better. I've told John this morning already that I'm sorry I did not give him a list of songs that I would like the choir to sing this morning. But So I'll go ahead and read the words and maybe they can back me up on these. But uh, <clears throat> we'll start off. There's just a couple of songs that I thought we should have sung. This first one, hi. Grace guys are going to clear up See there? Aren't they good? Put on a happy face. Brush off the clouds and cheer up. Put on a happy face. Take off that gloomy mask of tragedy. It's not your style. You look so good that you decided to smile. And those of you who think songs of yesterday were so much better than songs of today, words are so much better than, listen to this one. Gray skies are going to clear up, put on a happy face, brush off those clouds and cheer up, put on a happy face. And if you're feeling cross and bitterish, don't sit in wine. Think of banana splits and licorice, and you'll be glad you smiled, okay? Well, how about this one? Smile, though your heart is aching. Smile, even though it's breaking. When there are clouds in the sky, you'll get by. If you smile, though you... Your, through your fear and sorrow, smile, maybe tomorrow, you'll see the sun come shining through for you. Or, people say I'm the life of the party because I tell a joke or two. Although I might be laughing loud and hearty, deep inside I'm blue. So take a good look at my face. You see my smile looks out of place. If you look closer, it's easy to trace the tracks of my tears. And it's the smile of a clown when there's no one around. 
Is that where you are today? It's Sunday morning. You get up, you get dressed, put on your clothes, and you put on your smile, and you come to church. Because everybody else has their smile on. Everybody else's life is okay. No one else has the conflicts that I'm dealing with. And so when I go to church, I'm just going to put on my smile. I'm going to give in to the situation and just act like it's not there. But the deep intimacy you want to have with God is not there. When you just say, I'll just smile. Job said, I could just smile. I could just face the situation I'm in and just act like it's not there. But it doesn't satisfy me. In your relationship with your spouse, in your relationship with others, you could go through the conflict and say, I'm just going to ignore it. I'm just going to get by with it. I'm going to try to get along without dealing with this conflict. And you know it's not working. And you can't smile any longer. Second thing that Job tried, what he said he thought he would just do is verse 29. So since I'm already found guilty, why should I struggle in vain? He just give up. Just give up. So it's not worth it. The system that was in place in the time of Job, his friends who came to share with him their words of encouragement, which weren't encouraging. There are three cycles of speeches, three speakers who spoke to Job. He responded to each of those. This is one of those responses. In those situations, they all shared with him, this is the theological truth that we know. If you do good, if you live a good life, you'll be blessed and you'll be fulfilled. If you sin and do wrong, you'll be punished. Blessings are the sign that you're living a good life. Destruction and curses are signs that you're a sinner. And God is bringing this on your life to bring you to repentance. And so they say to Job, it is obvious by the destruction and misery of your life, you're a sinner. Confess what you've done. Come before God and then he will give back to you everything that you lost because he'll bless you. Job, and then Satan is off on the, back, on the sides saying, say it, Job. Admit, okay, well, I don't know what I did, but I want God's blessing, so I'll say I did something wrong, and I'll try to be a good person so God will bless me. And Satan is saying, yes, Job, say it. The only reason you worship God is because of what you get or how you feel. It's the only reason. You worship is because of what you get. And Job is standing there on that ash heap saying, I know within my heart, I know that I am a sinner, but what I have done does not deserve this amount of suffering. And Job looked at the world around him and he said, that system doesn't work. The system that the world puts out before us, you do good, you'll get blessed, you do bad, you'll suffer. That system doesn't work. I see many people who are very wicked, who are tremendously blessed. I see many people who are very good, who are suffering. That system doesn't work. He was in conflict with that. And he came into that presence and he said, you know, I could smile and just act like it's not there, but I come here and I think, I just give up. 
I just give up and just walk off. But Job's deep desire was to be in intimate relationship with God. That was his deep desire. And he knew he needed to know, go, go further. So he said in verse 33, If only, oh, that there were someone to arbitrate between us, someone to lay his hand on both of us, to remove God's rod from me so that this terror would frighten me no more. Then I would speak up without fear of him. But now, as it stands with me, I cannot. Job knew Romans 7, 24, that said, Oh, wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? I cannot. Job knew that. And he cried out for a mediator, someone who could bring him into a relationship with God in spite of the sin in his life to bring him into that intimate relationship with God. And he said, I cannot. He knew Romans 7.24, but Job did not know Romans 7.25 that says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And what Job longed for, that deep, intimate relationship with God is made possible through Jesus Christ. Job longed for that day. We have that day. He doesn't know the name of the mediator. We know the name. In 1 Timothy 2, 5, it says, there is one God and one mediator between, man, uh, between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. And then in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 15, says, for this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise, promised eternal inheritance, now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. We could give in and just act like it's not happening. We could give up and say, I can't do anything about it. We could be a Job situation and say, I cannot. And that's where you need to be. That's where you give way. You give way to a Savior. Because when you have the relationship with God, a deep, intimate relationship with God through Jesus Christ, it spills over into a relationship with your spouse, with your neighbors, with your friends, with your family. And in that deep, intimate relationship with God, Job shows to us Everything can be gone, but God is still worthy of my worship because that's who he is. And I desire that deep, intimate relationship with God above all else. And that's Job's message to us today. Don't give in and just act like it's not happening. Don't give up and walk away feeling like God's back is turned to us, but we realize that it was our back turned to him and we turn in repentance and find that his arms are open through Jesus Christ to receive us into that intimate relationship. It's not based on our works that we have this. We stand as Job saying, I cannot.
But we come into an intimate relationship with God and it doesn't matter what blessings or tragedies come into our life. That is secure and in that we hold. And that's what Job offers to us today is that realization. God is worthy no matter our circumstances. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. We don't earn our rewards. We don't deserve the sufferings. None of that is what is in relationship with God. It's through Jesus Christ and through His grace that we have that. So today, in your relationships with your spouse and with others, perhaps you're at that point where you're saying, we're in conflict. We're in conflict and we're, we're facing that wall of withdrawing from each other. Seek out the way that you can come back into that intimate relationship. Don't go over the wall into being withdrawn from each other, turning your back to each other. Find a way. Come to us and let us help you find a counselor who can help you in your marriage. Be restored back into intimacy. In your relationship with others, your work and others, find that opportunity in that conflict to be able to build back a relationship. But in your relationship with God, Perhaps you're a believer who's drifted through the years because you just keep avoiding. Or you keep saying it doesn't matter. But you still desire that intimate relationship with God. Come back through the mediator that we have, Jesus Christ. And know that intimate relationship that's there. If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're trying to do this. You're trying to build up this big amount of good that you can come before the presence of God and say, look, this is what I present, my life. But yet you know that deep within your heart, it isn't good enough. And so you want to just say, well, I just give up. Don't give up. Give way. Give way to the Savior who is there to offer an intimate relationship with your Creator, that you can build your life and live daily in His presence. And we stand.